0: to argue.
1: Hello 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 and welcome
0: to another edition of I'm not here to argue featuring Kirk and Pickle water and the velvet fist. How's it going?
1: um it's been a long day. I'm a little bit warm but I'm eating a sandwich made out of two pieces of cheese and one piece of meat.
0: This is your dessert.
1: This is my dessert because dessert wasn't very good. And um, we got some cocktails. I've got um, a wiggly leg that won't stop wiggling. So what's in the cocktails? We'll try it and tell me how it it tastes
0: first. Tell me what it is first.
1: It's a surprise.
0: It's always a surprise. Right. Because I don't usually ask you what it is
1: until we're drinking it. So take a sip and tell me what you think it tastes like.
0: Trudy alcohol.
1: It is fruity alcohol.
0: Okay.
1: It is Alizay and vodka. Alrighty. Lovely.
0: Well, I was teasing with me. Now you know he
1: wants back up again. It's a cat.
0: This yeah. makes for great radio.
1: He has changed his mind. So. So. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Your massive sigh before you said that kind of belies that
0: statement. Your jiggling legs belies your statements.
1: My jiggling leg is the honesty of my truth.
0: That does not make any sense.
1: I am completely open and vulnerable. It's the honesty of your truth. It's the
0: honesty of my truth. As opposed to the honesty of your anything else or the dishonesty of your truth. Yep. That's what it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. That sounds like someone who... You climb to the top of the mountain to find the guy who will give you the wisdom, and then it turns out that that guy at the top of the mountain is just selling hot dogs.
1: Hot dogs. Armor hot dogs. Yeah, that about sums me up.
0: You're selling hot dogs? Mm-hmm. Alright. From the top of the mountain. Okay there we are. Do you want to start with a question or do you want to dive into topics? Let's dive into the topics. Alrighty. Well, let's start with something light. Um, I get emails from Reddit. Okay. Because I have a Reddit account. Okay. And so in one of my emails from the relationships subreddit, was a cute question, which I will paraphrase as my girlfriend just left for work, and I'm home alone at her house for the first time. What little things can I do around here to make her feel loved? And I thought, well, that's a fun question. What would your advice be? My advice would be don't poke me in the
1: belly. I didn't poke you in the belly.
0: Um,
1: do the dishes. Aside from that, you probably shouldn't do anything to anything in our home. Because, you know, it's her home and it's your first time there and you don't know how she likes things. Well, it's it's his first time there by himself. Yeah, still. Just do the dishes. Just get the dishes done. And if possible, dry them up and put them away as well. Alrighty. What is your answer to that question?
0: Um... Dishes is a good idea. You wouldn't want to get too much into cleaning, but yes, that is nice. Low stakes, sort of cleaning thing. But if you're going to do that, make sure you put the dishes away according to the system that she's already set up. The
1: established system. Don't go reinventing things or reorganizing.
0: Yes. Um. He thought he might leave cute little love notes around in random places.
1: Does she live alone? I don't know. Maybe that'd be a little weird if she didn't. Okay. I would also require. But then he also wouldn't be alone in the apartment. Yeah, that's true. We we'll also require poking into her stuff if he's going to hide random love notes.
0: Okay. I might have a different um, criteria for creep factor than other people.
1: Okay. Explain.
0: Like I used to send random anonymous Valentine boxes
1: to people. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Were they people you liked or were they
0: just people? People that I Appreciated for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah, for that year. Nice. But some people probably found that a baby. You think so? At least one person.
1: Ooh, did they find out it was you? I don't know. Okay. Then, no, they probably didn't.
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure that they did, but we didn't talk about it.
1: Oh, okay. I think that's sweet. But that's different than...
0: Leaving love notes
1: around. In ...someone's apartment that you've only been alone in for the first time. Because then you would have to hide things amongst their stuff. And that would mean that you've been going through their stuff. Okay. I'd say... I mean, if he has a way to get in and out of the apartment, go buy a stuffed animal and put it on her bed. You know? Get mm-hmm. her a stuffed animal. You don't think so?
0: If she likes stuffed animals. She doesn't
1: like stuffed animals. Lots of people. of people are weird and you shouldn't date do.
0: You don't have any stuffed animals. I, I you do
1: puppets and stuffed animals, both. Where? With the puppets. I have stuffed animals because they're
0: buried them. under your stuff. Well, exactly. You don't have any stuffed animals. Yes, I do. I, I have all the stuffed animals it. in this house, and you don't respect them at all. What are talking i so just about.
1: saying. I have multiple stuffed elements and a beautiful handmade stuffed uh,
0: rabbit jester thing. I have
1: never seen it. Again, it's underneath your stuff. Well, exactly.
0: So what are you doing? There's no respect there.
1: What so there's no respect there from me because your stuff is on top of my stuff?
0: There's no respect there for either your or my stuffed animals. You just
1: don't respect stuffed animals. That's not true. What stuffed animals do you have that I didn't give you?
0: All the stuffed animals that I have.
1: What stuffed animals do you have?
0: I've got a stuffed duck at the Blue and Sparkly. I've got um, a stuffed broccoli. Oh, that's cool. I think I have a stuffed Hello Kitty in the house somewhere. I've got that stuffed raccoon. You've got a minion? No, I think you
1: threw away the minion. Oh. I thought there was one of those minions things that I got. I thought there was one of the things that I got you in the bedroom. Mm. That might have been another minion. I think there may have been multiple minions.
0: Yeah, there were like three minion things, and I feel like you threw out two of them. Okay. I could be wrong now, but it would be consistent with my theory that you don't respect stuffed animals. Where do your stuffed animals live? In the house. In various places. They live where they live.
1: Do they all live in a box? No, I don't have any boxes in
0: this house. Their
1: features are free will. You're just lying about things now. You're just straight up lying about things, and that's not okay. This is a place where we honor the honesty of our truth.
0: That doesn't make any sense. And I do have storage containers, but I do not have boxes. All right. Are your stuffed animals in storage containers? No, because why would I do that? I don't know. Because I've never seen them. You're not looking for them.
1: (sighs) Okay, moving on. That's what I think you should do. Maybe make her a nice beverage for when she comes home.
0: And leave it in the fridge. Try not to make sure it's poisoned
1: that's our that's our advice to you lucky fellow from reddit
0: mm-hmm. all right um, so um moving back and then circling moving forward and then circling back so um i was reading a twitter thread the other day okay a couple weeks ago and um this is from chawana whose twitter handle is dr c-h-a-e-e-d um so she had an interesting so i'm skipping through most of the twitter conversation to get to this one comment which is which is how to know if you've made a good decision and here's her process for figuring it out she asks herself if it yielded a net positive or negative then she evaluates what she might have missed in her decision making process and use it to do differently next time she also considers whether there's something she can do to fix it, quote-unquote fix it, and if not, then she moves on to the next thing. So I thought that was interesting because I find that sometimes when I'm doing things, what I, what I miss in my constant progression forward, just constant moving forward, is the reflection phase. Okay. Um, so then it made me wonder... When people say that they're going to like sit and pray on something, if that is what prayer is, it's just an, a reflection phase and then whatever answer they come to, whatever gives them peace is it maybe it's not actually God speaking to them maybe it's just them sitting still long enough to actually clear their mind and, and get in their own understanding of their situation hmm. you know, I
1: tried praying for a while a couple years ago. Um, I'm a militant agnostic and don't really believe in a god so much as a godhead.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And um, it wasn't super helpful to me. Right. I believe that Mona was in the door. Okay. But um, it wasn't super helpful to me, but I mean, I think if I'd come from a background of belief and faith and prayer, it might have been more so. But I was coming at it from the direction you're talking about, it just trying to get to a better. You know conversation with my own subconscious
0: okay uh, but that didn't work out for you
1: not so much it felt too it felt too uh forced
0: so when you make decisions do you then have a a, a a moment of a time set aside for reflection on how that decision played out
1: i think there's a part of the anxiety is there's a constant reflection and not necessarily with the the right kind of perspective but there's a constant reflection on Everything that went wrong or could have gone wrong and that might go wrong in the future.
0: Okay, do you get stuck in the do you get stuck in that phase or do you actually reach some sort of resolution?
1: I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think I must reach resolutions. Reach resolutions. I'm getting better at a little bit better at letting things go. And just moving on. But I'm not great at it.
0: Well, that was
1: what I was wondering. Well, what's your response to the same question?
0: I don't have reflection phase. I literally started off by saying that. <laughs> You've got a facial expression.
1: Yeah, I just it was that that question kind of lost me a bit. I'm sorry.
0: Lost you in what way? And then
1: I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I um, don't. I'm unsure how my thought process works I'm not sure how my my process works which is exactly what I just said
0: yeah you're not sure how your brain works yep I know that one thing that you need to work on is more like sitting still reflecting and making plans I don't tend to do that
1: I'm a plan maker
0: yeah I like, I have ideas, but implementation phase doesn't always work out. Um, I don't know, that doesn't really feel like plan-making, because I feel like plans are step-by-step walkthroughs. I think it's really
1: beneficial to have a a debrief after anything and try and and figure out what worked and what didn't work, but it's really helpful to me to do that with someone else as opposed to just by myself. 'Cause I'm not gonna focus so much on what worked if I'm doing it by myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and for me I think when I'm making decisions I don't necessarily Yeah, just I don't feel like I I don't think I've ever sat down and said, Okay, what worked for me and that wouldn't what didn't work for me and that, what can I carry forward and then actually carrying stuff forward. So it's something we should both work on. Yep.
1: Okay. What is our next topic of discussion?
0: Speaking of stuff that's happened on social media, um, what?
1: It's been quite a while since we were speaking of something that happened on social media.
0: I literally was just talking about a Twitter thread.
1: I know, but you know, there was a lot of talk after that, so.
0: I feel like you don't always listen to the words that came
1: out of your mouth. I try to listen to every word that comes out of your mouth, but I've already started drinking. You've had? Half a drink and I'm
0: a little, a little woo-woo. Okay what else um so there's been a lot of talk on the internet lately you may not be aware of it or you I may, may i not. don't know i don't know um of the baby the baby
1: oh the baby the the one who said all the weird homophobic stuff about about uh, oral sex and and um
0: other stuff yeah um so so it's interesting it's it's interesting about that he's being rapidly canceled now by various by various sources, but he's been problematic for a while. Um, skipping over a lot of other stuff, one thing the baby the baby has done, um, I think he. There was a time maybe early this year, late last year, sometime in the in the in the COVID era, when he was um, he and his his bodyguards were walking him through a crowd of. Fans. Okay. And um, I guess someone accidentally, a woman accidentally bumped into him and he like smacked the crap out of her. Um, and so, so he has <laughs> been considered to be perhaps not the best person. But people are pointing out, so nobody cared when you smacked the crap out of a woman. But they care now that he's insulted the gay community. And actually, people are so focused on the on the gay comments that they've missed also the way the misogynistic stuff he said about women in that same little speech. So it's interesting. So without, I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other. But it's interesting to note what people are willing to make allowances for and... What is the last straw? So, carrying that to you, I notice sometimes that when I talk to you about certain people, you're just very much hardline that person's a shitbird or or whatever. You've got a very firm, you seem to have a very strong line for what you consider to be okay and not okay in terms of other people's behavior. I'm just kind of wondering where that comes from.
1: Uh, self loathing. I don't know. I mean, I I don't have a lot of tolerance for all the stuff that I've done as a person. I probably don't have more tolerance for other people.
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: don't know. I don't like shitty people being shitty.
0: But how do you determine that they are.
1: If what they're doing is harmful in others to others in general. Or on a personal level, if they've tried to fuck me over. If they've tried to fuck me over in any direct way, especially involving my livelihood, which by extension leading me being homeless, yeah, they're 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 dead to me. I'm trying to let that go to some degree. I'm trying to let go of some of these these deep seated grudges that I've had for years against people and just let things slide and patch things over with people who had grudges against me, trying to be a better adult. Um, But people who hurt people non-consensually, yeah, I I don't like them, especially if they hurt vulnerable people.
0: I feel like that's going into a slightly darker direction.
1: Well, those are the people I consider shitbirds. Okay. Yeah, like um, Graham Linahan or J.K. Rowling or someone like that who've sicked their thousands of fans on, on, on trans kids and trans adults. Um, so those, those are shitty human beings, and I'll and have nothing to do with them or their art. Um, I, I can't think of any other examples of people like that, but maybe you know of other examples of people that I feel that way about.
0: Well, no, just like, the, or the person who's just got that art that you have on that t-shirt or whatever. Oh, yeah,
1: his yeah, his really good fine art, the two ladies, the picture of the two ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, he turned out to be an abuser. And um, I'd been a big fan of his for quite a while, and then he turned out to be an abuser, and it's, it's a little more difficult for me to enjoy his art now. But not as much of an abuser as, as say, a J.K. Rowling. Because he was no longer, nowhere near as big. He couldn't hurt as
0: many people. So when we were talking about Michael Che, you said that there's a difference between someone being a douchebag and someone being just problematic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So can you give an example of someone who'd be problematic? I'm problematic. In what sense?
1: And that I've done problematic things in my life and, and you know, I may not be the most enlightened individual in a room. You know, I probably still have some leftover bad opinions Inside my head that I haven't fished out and, and, and dealt with yet. Uh, who else could be problematic? I don't know. Um, I know I, I'm having trouble thinking of someone who's just problematic. It hasn't crossed the line. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, there are many other comedians other than Michael Che who are problematic. Well, you said. But you, but you don't think he's problematic. You think he's just an asshole. Yeah, I think he's an asshole. I think he punches down on purpose. <coughs> I think he intentionally tries to be hurtful to people who are weaker than him. And, um, and that is that is where I draw the line. So. Let's look at. Um, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, there's other comedians, but I can't remember the names, who are just, you know, they have bad attitudes. They have, you know. That may be somewhat racist or somewhat homophobic or something like that, but they're not actively trying to hurt people. I feel that Michael Che actively tries to be harmful. I think he, he revels in being a dick.
0: So, so the difference would be that they could all they could all be homophobic or sexist or whatever, but one doesn't is less aware of what they're doing than the other.
1: No, it's it's they could all be racist and homophobic and and whatever. Um, But if they're actively trying to hurt people, that's different than just having bad opinions.
0: I guess I find that confusing because in expressing bad opinions, some people would feel hurt by that.
1: Mm Mhm. And so it's a matter of whether or not they express those bad opinions. And they're probably gonna hurt, I mean, anyone's opinions are gonna hurt someone, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But is well enough? they're trying to hurt people. And I feel like Michael Che tries to be hurtful. I feel like he puts effort into being hurtful, as opposed to someone who has said something hurtful because of their bad opinions, but isn't trying to be hurtful. Um, uh, Sarah Silverman had a bit she did many, many, many years ago that I'm sure she has grown beyond now, um, about... Um, crap. I can't remember how the bit goes, but but in the bit, she didn't want to make a, a, a racist joke about black people, so she made a somewhat racist joke about Asian people instead, and, um, and that was problematic, but it wasn't her trying to be hurtful, it was her trying to be ironic, and she was hurtful nonetheless, and that was problematic, but she has grown beyond that since then. Does that make more sense? Um... That makes sense. Yeah, so, so I don't know. Um, let's look at uh, Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam is one of those people who's like it's impossible to be funny now. Okay, who's that? The the director of Brazil, and he was part of Monty Python, and um, Time Bandits. One of my favorite movies. Um, many other films, The Avengers of Baron Munchausen, uh, Sixteen Monkeys, I think, might be Terry Gilliam as well, or Thirteen Monkeys or whatever it was called.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, anyway, um, Terry Gilliam was one of those people who feels that, um, that people have gotten too sensitive, and PC culture is ruining comedy and, and, and so on and so forth, and clearly problematic, but not actively trying to hurt people. And so I still feel okay viewing his art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't felt the need to like say, you get no more of my money ever. Even even cir- circumstantially from watching something stream somewhere um, because he hasn't actively tried to hurt anyone that I know of. So that's where I draw the line. Actively trying to cause harm to me or the world. That seems like a are line. Now, um, there's there's another option there, too. People who are harmful and do cause harm, but don't mean to. I'm also willing to cut them out.
0: So like Wanda.
1: Yeah, in, in WandaVision, Wanda would be someone that, that I would probably go during her harm-causing phase. I wouldn't want anything to do with her because she's she is harmful. She's a dangerous person who might harm your friends or family. Um, I've had people in my family like that. I'm just like, nope, I find your attitudes and behaviors harmful, and I want nothing to do with you. And I have nothing to do with them for extended periods of time. So, But I mean, I kind of felt that way about both my parents at one point and stopped... Having much to do with either of them for a period of time. So, what about you now? What about me? The same question. What? How, where do you draw the line between problematic and 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 full-on passable? Where do I draw the line?
0: Where do you? I mean, probably. by how much their actions would affect my life okay um like michael che for me falls into the problematic category because a i have found him entertaining um but also i mean because a I I found him entertaining if he were you know a politician or something passing policies that would affect you know the country or the region or or whatever, I might be more inclined to see him just as an asshole.
1: I have found him entertaining as well at points. When he wrote jokes for, what's his name? Colin Yost. For Colin Yost to tell. To force Colin Yost to tell jokes that Colin Yost shouldn't be telling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, some of those were funny. Yeah.
0: Yes. I thought so too. Um, so, like, I don't have anyone off the top of my head who... And well, and here's the other thing like, I don't like, I'm less inclined to actually actively hold a grudge against most people if I don't know them personally. So, people like Terry Gillian or people like if I find an if I find the entertainer problematic, I will usually just ignore them more so than actively. Speak out Speak out about them. The only time that I'll usually, if I if I believe an entertainer is problematic, or if I know something about them that that falls in the problematic territory, and I and I'm interacting with someone who is expressing admiration of that artist who doesn't seem to know that, I will let them know so that they can make their own decision about how they feel. Yeah. Like I remember someone on my on my uh, one of my friends' Facebook friends was talking about Cardi B, and I was like, so so just. And I was like, just so you know, you know, these are some some facts about Cardi B that might affect your opinion of her. But I I only share that information because because I knew that it, it might affect her her you know willingness to to be a stan or a fan. Not because I necessarily held the information myself against Cardi B. Um. So I don't know. I th- I think I tend to. I will either like, ignore them for the most part as I have been doing with you know, Doja Cat and Scarlett Johansson and et cetera up until they actually do something that is entertaining to me um, or or I will put them into the like guilty pleasure category maybe
1: I know that I've had to um, do that with with acquaintances about people like Graham Linehan and saying like yeah that was really funny but
0: yeah, I don't like to do that all the time, just because they don't want to come across as holier than thou about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a me. That's just to me concern. Yeah. And for me, he's, he's a real harmful douchebag who does a lot of
1: active harm. Michael Chase is just an asshole, you know. But Graham is does real active harm to the world, and if I see someone that I care about expressing admiration for him, I'm going to want to make sure that they know who he is before spreading, you know, his stuff around that'll give him more benefit and therefore cause more harm in the long run, even if only incrementally.
0: Yeah.
1: Yarp.
0: Yarp. So this has been a very circular conversation. I just wanted to have a better sense of where your boundaries lie. Right about here. That's about five inches in front of your stomach. Yep. So I shall not enter your personal space. You're allowed. You're my wife. Speaking of entering into someone's personal space... What? I, I want to hear this transition. We watched Bo
1: Burnham's Inside. Okay. We did watch Bo Burnham's Inside. It had a couple of beautiful songs in it. It was very depressing. Um, First, tell us who Bo Burnham is. Bo Burnham is an internet comedian who does musical comedy, stand-up. He's done a number of specials on Netflix, and he's very popular in that way. Um, I guess he started off as a YouTuber in his teens, and he just turned 30, so he's been doing it for like 13 years. He's quite good at it, and wrote a couple of real good songs in this out of like 12 or 13 songs in in the show. A couple of them were really good one of which I ended up putting on my my main rotation. Um, and yeah, this is a very depressing look at him losing his grip on reality uh, and falling into a, may- a massive depression over the course of the pandemic and writing songs about it.
0: It did very much as you're watching it, have the feeling of watching someone like lose their mind, but also because it was so performative it was never really clear how sincere it was yeah it was it
1: was it was watching someone lose their mind and be aware of it and then make little skits about it for other people so that was weird a weird aspect of it
0: but i will say i have not seen very much of beau Vernon. um the special that you tried to watch before an actual comedy special before he developed his crippling anxiety and stopped doing them. Um, it should be noted that Inside is is not is more like performance art than than comedy special. Stand up comedy anyway. Um, so I didn't really like his uh, actual stand up okay. parts of it that I saw, just because for me it was too much of the cutesy song stuff. Huh. Um but seeing the songs in inside where it's not a stand-up framing, it's a short experimental film framing, mm-hmm. I found it much better. Okay
1: he did the two really the two really good songs I liked were um, the one about the internet and um, that funny feeling and that funny feeling is just a genuinely good song. It's not a funny song at all. Just a genuinely good song. As, uh, as effectively about the end of, of humanity.
0: Right, you can find these songs. I think uh, he has released an album mm-hmm. called Inside, and it might be on Spotify. And it is other on Spotify. Yes.
1: And it's excellent. Yes. What else have we watched? We have watched um,
0: a couple of other things Gunpowder Milkshake, for We instance. watched Gunpowder Milkshake with Karen Gillan. Um, and who well, have we'll always pronounced pronounce Gillian? I don't know why. Yeah, I guess you assumed it would have an extra I, yeah. um, and it doesn't. Ha ha. And Michelle Yeoh and Carla Gugino and Nina Hedy and Paul Giamatti yeah. and Angela uh, Bassett. Angela Bassett playing a character named Anna Mae, which is funny to me because she is well known for playing Anime Mae Bullock, otherwise known as Tina Turner, and What's all Got to Do with It um and some other people but those are the primary people it was a female-led action film some some people called it like john wick john wick but with chicks um
1: what well the cocktail tastes kind of gross and i wouldn't go that far what do you mean to call it john wick but with chicks i know but what do you mean i mean john wick has some gorgeously choreographed violence Mm-hmm. And this wasn't on that level.
0: Okay. That's all. Alrighty. I haven't seen John Wick. It also had a very, very cute little Muppet. Um, I don't remember the name of the actress who played the little girl in the film. I did think I did find it. I, I did find myself wondering since she was a little like racially ambiguous, but clearly had some black lineage somewhere. Um, I wonder if they cast her and then cast the guy who played her dad, or like I wonder which one was cast first I'm I'm assuming since you had a larger role they probably cast her first and then cast someone who looked a little bit like her to play her dad anyway okay. so um, in this movie Karen Gillan, which is on this movie's on Netflix uh, spoilers ahoy um, plays a assassin mm-hmm. who much like Leon in The Professional encounters a little girl who upend her entire world.
1: But without any of the weird sexual
0: tension. Yes. Well, some sexual tension, but not between her and the girl. Yeah. So, things you liked about this film.
1: Um, aesthetically, it was very nice. It was very pretty.
0: Um, yep. Uh, things I liked about this film. I liked the casting. I liked the acting. I really enjoyed seeing um, the older female actresses. Okay. Uh, I like seeing Carla Gugino in everything that she's in. I just like seeing her.
1: She's the one who has the big minigun from inside the van. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's excellent. I don't know what else I know her from, but she was so good.
0: Yeah, she was in Sin City. She was in Spy, Spy Kids, I think. Okay, I love the Spy Kids series. Yeah, I haven't seen them, but I think she was in it. I know her from I, the first time I saw her was in a film called The Buccaneers, like, a period piece from Aww. a million years ago. What? Sounds cute. Hmm. Okay. Was it not? Uh, it was about American girls who, I think, go to Europe to find their, um, to find husbands, or and um, it was a drama. <laughs> so, her character they all go through a little bit of a lot but her character since she was the main character I think um got married to a man who was closeted she didn't obviously know this when they got married he uh sexually assaulted her okay so much less cute than than, than them just being pirates and then she got pregnant from that uh because you know he was trying to demonstrate his his manhood because he was feeling really insecure about being homosexual, um, and then she was so unhappy in the marriage. She tried to run away and she injured herself and lost the baby, and then um, and then she at the end of the movie she runs off with a different guy and and that's the happy ending. So spoilers for the Buccaneers. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it also stars some other people. Um, A young Mira Savino uh who maybe her husband developed syphilis but it was okay because I think he'd been having sex with everyone else but her um a woman named Allison something who may have been in another film called like Spitfire Grill or something and then there's a fourth one who I don't remember who it is Anyway, uh, so I love, I love Carlo Gugino. Um, and, you know, obviously, it was so nice to see Michelle Yeoh and everything. One of the first things I read about the film before I actually saw the film was complaints that, you know, you have Michelle Yeoh in this movie, but she's got a gun, but she had a very nice fight scene. So mm-hmm. I'm fine sure. with that. Um, Karen Galan is maybe not the best fight
1: scene Well, Well, the thing is, this, my, my issue with this movie, my main issue with this movie is Karen Galan emotes well. That's what she's good at as an actress, as an actor. She is she's very character-driven and very emotive and very very visual and very, very face-acty. She has a lot of acting with her face. And when they give her a flat affect for the entire movie, it doesn't work. Her character only really works when she actually has some emotion to it and, and, and some reaction to what's going on around her instead of just being, you know, kind of, sullen all the time. Um, That's Part of what I don't really like about uh, Nebula is -hmm. that she is too one-note. She is too sad, angry, and always making the same face when Karen Galan is a face actor and she needs to be able to use her face to make a variety of expressions.
0: I will be in the next Guardians of the Galaxy film. We'll get to see more Gamora and Nebula action.
1: I'm sure during the um, Guardians of the Galaxy's Christmas special that's coming out this Christmas, we'll get that as well.
0: So you've mentioned this Christmas special twice now, and I still don't quite believe it. That's a thing? Yes. I'll prove it to you. By forcing you to watch it. All right. So one another mm-hmm. thing I liked about this film um, was that... So again, did I, did I mention this? Okay, well, I will say it differently. There is... Um, when Karen on encounter When her character, who's Sam, Samantha encounters this little girl christine something whatever her name is she has a secret that she's not telling her and it's at the point when it when it was apparent that the secret was going to become a thing i was like i hope you don't keep it this a secret until it, it actually becomes a problem a problem and then they didn't and i was like oh that's so nice that they actually just like revealed it and just let it be you know a character moment instead of a stupid plot point if that, if that makes sense it didn't become it just became a moment for two people to interact in an honest way it didn't become oh this will be the motivation for someone to do something stupid so i appreciated that nice um but anyway gumpowder milkshake i recommend it i don't it was all right i mean it was okay but like don't go in expecting shakespeare it's 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 perfectly serviceable.
1: don't go in expecting john wick either
0: if you if you like um you know if you like to see uh some if you want to see the representation of older female action stars doing their thing if you want to see some gorgeous women hanging out in an amazing library mm-hmm. if you want to see Subtle references to other movies of the same genre. Oh, yeah, lots of that. Yep. Um, and I don't know, if you like Lena Headey or Carlo Cugino or any of the other principals, it's not a bad movie to see. Yeah. And it, it looks like they were setting it up for a sequel. And I think a sequel's already been approved, so okay. might as well. Um, so, but this tied into, we also started, we watched the first couple episodes of Masters of the Universe. The mm-hmm. second episode was like, eh. Um, the first episode was was interesting in certain ways. So, my question was, in terms of Masters of the Universe, again, did I say spoilers? Spoilers. Um. So, Teela's response to finding out, posthumously, that Adam had been He-Man, she mm-hmm. really freaked out in a way that I found weird, personally myself, but. I'm wondering if it's, the, the connection I see between that and, and Gunpowder Milkshake was that Sam revealed her secret early, and Adam kept his secret essentially to the grave. So then Tila felt lied to, which I didn't think was necessarily fair, because... Well, she had been lied to for many, many years. Which I didn't think was necessarily fair, but my question for you is, when does the secret become a lie?
1: Well, she was actively lied to, though. When? When she was told that he man was someone else other than Adam.
0: That happened in the episode.
1: That happened for many years. But I think I think that's not a, a set of omission. I think that's an actual lie.
0: Regardless. When does it, when does a secret become a lie? Like, I, I can't, I didn't watch the entire He-Man series, so I don't know how often Tila was told, asked who He-Man was, and was told it was someone other than Adam. I do think if she heard that from Adam, that was Adam protecting a secret identity, which all superheroes do. And I think they were probably going to tell her now that she was Master of Arms and didn't get a chance to because shit hit the fan. And I, I think that's fair. And I feel like she could have been more understanding of that. Yeah. But she wasn't. But my question for you is, when does the secret become a lie?
1: Probably from the beginning. Because the king
0: also felt... I mean, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm throwing aside, we're not going to disagree about the Master of the Universe one. Mm-hmm. But when does the secret become a lie? Probably from the beginning. <laughs> if, it, if the secret is... If the secret is perpetuating a misunderstanding, a misrepresentation of the truth, then the secret is a lie. If the secret is, like, you don't know how many chickens I murdered as a child. None, by the way. Um, But that's never something that's come up. Never something that never you never have a reason to think one way or the other about it. I don't think that's a lie. I think that's just you know a weird dark secret. But if it's if it's if it's you know did I sleep with your sister, then then that lie it's a lie from the beginning.
0: Why is it a lie from the beginning?
1: Because it's it's immediately relevant and something that you would assume otherwise about that you would assume the other way, and by by allowing you to assume that, you're allowing someone to believe the, the untruth. When you actually have the truth, and it's relevant to their life, I think that's when a secret becomes a lie.
0: Okay.
1: And for you, when does a secret become a lie?
0: I'm the one asking
1: the questions
0: here. No, 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 no. Nope. If you want to ask questions, you get to put. You get to create your own topic list. That is
1: not fair.
0: It is entirely fair.
1: It is not. We've always done this symmetrically.
0: No, we haven't.
1: Yes, we have. No, we haven't. We have. You're just making that. Up. I am not. <laughs> you are too. Okay, I'm just me you.
0: <laughs> Don't pitch me because you're not correct. <laughs>
1: what? Okay, well I guess that's it for today.
0: Oh my god.
1: Did we have another topic?
0: Yes. And first of all, you can't just end the podcast because you're annoyed.
1: I'm a little annoyed.
0: Yes, and yet you can't just end the podcast because you're annoyed.
1: We this has always been a symmetrical question-asking affair. It has. Mhm. okay? What? I'm annoyed.
0: Okay.
1: Would you hear it when unpack that? Um, I I feel like you're you're hiding, you you're hiding your answer from me. You're changing the subject because you don't want to have to answer the question, which is a question that you wanted me to answer, but now you're unwilling to answer it yourself. Can I find that a little annoying? Well, it's
0: it was meant to be a conversation.
1: Okay. But that would mean we're both of us giving forth on our answer. You
0: don't have having answer it was meant to be a conversation the question of when does a secret become a lie i mean i feel like you have a stronger feelings about lies of omission than i do okay. and for me a secret is generally going to be a lie of omission
1: okay i think that's fair how big of a deal is that how big of a deal is a lie of omission a secret
0: I think it depends on who you're talking to. Between us. Oh, between us.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, for you, it seems to be a big deal.
1: But how is it for
0: you? Well, I mean, you're allowed to have secrets. I think you do have them. Probably. Because there's a lot of stuff you're not comfortable talking about. Really? Okay. It seems that way. You're always welcome to ask yeah and
1: and i will never can't believe i'm saying this but i will never lie to you if i can possibly avoid it
0: why can't you believe that you're saying that
1: because it's a hard thing to say that's without lying it's a hard thing to say without lying you're never gonna lie if you know what I, I put a lot of effort into not lying to you but then not omitting things
0: i do appreciate that and I also make my best effort, to be honest with you, as well. Um, I think you admit a lot more things than I do, though. Well, yeah, I do. I do that for a number of reasons. Um, one, not every thought I think has to be voiced.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, two, I generally try not to freak you out those are the top two um and I think you probably are doing a similar thing in terms of things you don't tell me or things that you don't necessarily want me to be plagued with I'm assuming that sounds about right so but I mean there are times when you say that I'm being dishonest when I say that I'm fine
1: That is, if you are not fine and you say you're fine, then that is dishonest, yes.
0: (laughs) Okay. But I don't see that as dishonesty. I just see that as kind of, you either say that you're fine or you have to, like, try to dive into a whole pile of explanations about stuff.
1: Yep. And you know what? What? We're married. Uh Uh-huh. And it's our job, to share those piles with each other. To share each other's piles. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Piles between lovers. No. Lover piles. No. That doesn't sound right. Okay. But you understand the basic gist, yeah?
0: Yes. lovers should have piles. But isn't that, like, hemorrhoids? I'm not talking
1: about your butt coming out. I'm talking about your emotions coming out. Of your butt. Or any hole that will fit.
0: Alright.
1: you got to let them out. Or else you get piles. Or else you get piles. Piles of love. Okay. Love piles.
0: Nope.
1: I'm to get a new t-shirt.
0: That just sounds like something that happens after anal sex. Yep.
1: Or when you're honest about your emotions.
0: After anal sex.
1: That too. Okay. Right. One final topic for the night or are we done? Um
0: I think oh, um my only other thing was Okay, so going back to Hemen. uh. He Man Guardians of the Galaxy Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe whatever it was called. <laughs> Um, so when the king found out that Adam was He-Man, he was, I don't know, I think he was embarrassed that he hadn't figured out earlier, meanwhile yeah. the queen had, which made me wonder what the like, king's relationship to Adam. Like obviously he was more interested in, I don't know, he didn't, obviously he was kind of overlooking his son's actuality in terms of, because he didn't, he wasn't looking beyond the surface of what his son had going on because he was so disappointed about what was on the surface. Mm-hmm. But it made me think about, um, but then, you know, theoretically, I guess we're supposed to assume that he loved him based on how much he blew up after finding out that he was gone. But it made me think of Thanos and Gamora on the quest for the Soul Stone. So some people would say that what Thanos expressed for Gamora was not love because because they don't believe that that sort of toxic feeling can be love. Um, Other people would say that there are different kinds of love and toxic love, while unhealthy, is still a type of love so I guess the question is as far as definitions do you think that what Thanos expressed could have been love or do you think that because it was toxic it inherently wasn't I think within the rules of the fiction it had to be love okay. because
1: he had to sacrifice the thing he loved most in the world to get the soul stuff and he sacrificed Gamora and he got the soul stuff therefore Gamora was the thing that he loved most in the world, and if we extrapolate backwards from that, then we, we can assume that what he felt was actual love, you, as toxic as it may have been.
0: Though so I will say that when, um, when Clint and Natasha were there, they just needed to make a sacrifice. It didn't have to be a true love sacrifice, because they were trying to kill themselves. Yeah, to save the other one so they kind of put a different spin on that for, that for that interaction um okay but carrying it into a real world real world context do you think that um that toxic love is actually love i don't know what toxic love is well love that i mean it's a deeply held emotion but it expresses itself in unhealthy ways
1: oh yeah absolutely i don't think love is pure or or holy or the end all and be all of anything. I don't. I don't think those. I think those are fictions of, of, of romantic films and and the industry that that, that makes money off of emotion. Mm-hmm. Love is is an emotion, and it can be good and it can be bad. It can be it can be a badly controlled emotion. It can be a badly wielded emotion. It can be a hurtful emotion if it's if it's used to motivate people in bad ways. So yeah, I think you can have toxic love. Absolutely. Righty. Love. Love is a lot more complicated and nuanced and layered than the people give it to me. They try and make it, but people also, and I gotta wrap this up quickly because I gotta. Um, deal with your piles. Got to deal with my love piles. Um. People like to believe that love is something that happens to you. I don't think it is. I think it's an emotion. And you have control over it, just like every other emotion you have. You choose to be angry.
0: But, okay, people choose to believe that love is something that happens to you. But you see the love as an emotion that you choose to have. Um, yeah, or at least,
1: well, I think all emotions. No, I don't. Being in love is definitely a choice. Mm-hmm. In love is a choice you make. At some point in the progression with another human being, you choose you choose love. You choose to to feel love towards someone and 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 commit part of your person to them. Um, but familial love, love of a child, that may not be a choice. Hmm. I don't know. I've not I've not had that love. So I, I'm retracting part of my statement.
0: Okay.
1: I don't necessarily think it's a choice. I don't know for sure. But I do I do think love can be toxic. I do think wanting for someone can be harmful to them.
0: Okay.
1: But I will stand I will I will go to the death believing that falling in love is a choice.
0: Alright, no need to get all dramatic about it.
1: I'll defend that thought till the day that I die.
0: Okay, again,
1: a little. I'll put my life on the line for the reality of the fact that you choose to fall in love.
0: Why? You gotta make it so serious. I. (laughs) So annoying. Anyway, yes, I I would agree with that. That, I. Hmm. That just because it's not being expressed in the purest best way, just because they're not being, so I think, I think the problem that I have sometimes is that people will say that that something that that is hurtful or um or or toxic or whatever isn't love, because because people feel so drawn to, I don't know me put this a different way there have been a lot of times I've, I've had a conversation with with someone where it's been like they're talking about their boyfriend and talking about another terrible situation that's happened or talking about the ways that the situation is not working but then they say but I love him and I'll say okay but so what mm-hmm. so <laughs> I feel like people want to view things that are unhealthy or or, or whatever as as not really love because they want love to be more of a glue than it mm-hmm. necessarily should be. They want it to be a magical
1: superpower. They want it to be, you know, holy and and, and un, un, unfettered by the realities of, of, of you know, filthy, gut, gut-driven human beings. And that's just not the way it is. That's love. Love is no less human than any other emotion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. All emotions are part of humanity and being human. And love isn't an ethereal thing that exists above humanity. It's, it's down and dirty in the, in the guts with us.
0: Right. All right. I think that is the last thing for today. Okay. And <laughs> what a happy topic to end on. What a happy topic to end on. All right. So next week, you're picking the topics. Oh, crap. You know how much I suck at that. Yeah, well, I know how much you suck about being happy about me asking the questions and you having to answer them, so the table's being turned, master. The worm has turned. Okay,
1: I'll be the worm. Um, take care of your love piles.
0: Yeah, see a doctor about those. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: new music by Kevin MacLeod in compatech.com